Well, it's Monday again, and so that means we're in the Gospel of John, and today we start uh, John chapter 14. We're gonna, this is actually a new section of John, John 14 through 17, sometimes called Jesus' farewell sermon, and it's, it's quite unique within the Gospels. Jesus does, we do find some other sermons in the Gospels, there's the Sermon on the Mount, uh, but... Um, John 14 through 17, if you like philosophy or theology, John 14 through 17 is, is like uh, Jesus decides to give a philosophy lecture. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a practical lecture. In fact, when we get uh, for the next four weeks, I assume we're going to be in uh, this farewell sermon that Jesus gave. And it, it climaxes with John 17, where Jesus prays directly for everyone in this room. Um, Jesus prays for us. Uh, he prays for us to be united, which we've done so well with over the last 2,000 years, right? Um, so you'll want to you'll definitely be here for the next four sermons as we go through this incredibly rich uh, section of the Gospel of John uh, where Jesus talks a lot about the Holy Spirit. If you want to know about what the Spirit does, what, what, what is the function, what's the job description of the Holy Spirit, it's right here uh, in this section of the Gospel of John. But today we're in John chapter 14 which begins with this great verse that says, don't let your heart be troubled. Several people asked me uh, what I was preaching on this morning, and I said this verse, and they're like, oh, I need to be there for that. Um, not because of me, um, but because of that message, don't be troubled. I think most of us here could really use to hear a good message. I, I hope the Lord will do better than I can do uh, today, uh, because don't, you know, it's, if it's up to me, we're in trouble. Um, but um, the idea of not being troubled is a word that I think we could all, I mean, man, how do I do that? I'd love to, to know a little bit about that. Now, um, I hope you won't be offended. This may not be true of you as an individual, but you know they do research on generations. They have all these generations. I'm allegedly Gen X. I don't know what that means. Maybe that's what the X means. I, nobody knows who Ken is. Um, but uh, there's the millennial generation. Uh, and now they're talking about Gen Z, um, which if you're a, a freshman, if I understand right, you're, you're the leading wave, you know, of this Gen Z. Now, don't, I don't, this is not uh, a horoscope, okay? Uh, so what I'm about to say may not be you at all. Uh, but I was listening to a presentation on, on Gen Z, and they suggested that there are high levels of anxiety uh, among Gen Z. Now, again, may not, maybe that's not true about you at all. And in fact, you can be, you know, you can be 52 and be anxious about, about things. I was anxious to, to preach this morning. So, so it's, not, you know, it's not a prescription. Uh, but uh, there, you know, I thought to myself, okay, why would, why would um, kind of college students today be anxious? So I did the math. You know, when were you born, probably, if you're at college? And what kinds of circumstances did you kind of grow up with? Well, the first thing that came to mind was 9-11, you know, 2001. Um, 2001 was really shocking. I, I, can hardly, I can hardly remember what it was like before um, 2001 and 9-11. Did you know, I'm sure you do, you used to be able to go back to a, a, an airport gate and, and say goodbye to whoever, there was no security, you know, that you, big security thing that you went through, you know, to get to your plane. It used to be you could go, you could go right back you know, and watch him go down, you know, the, the thing onto the plane. Um, I mean, I can't even remember when that time, uh, that time was before. 
Um, it was a time of great paranoia. I have some colleagues here. I hope you won't ask them, but uh, we went to Israel kind of about 2003, and I was, uh, I'm embarrassed how nervous I was. You know, who's, who's going to try to down this plane? You know, what's my strategy? Am I going to trip them? You know, am I going to get in the way? I mean, I'm here, I mean it was, it was, it's embarrassing to look back. But um, do you know they actually barricaded the courthouse here in Marion after 9-11? You know, looking back, you think, who's going to bomb the courthouse of Marion, Indiana? But I mean, that, that's, that's how nervous we were, you know, right after, after 9-11. And so, um, so that's one thing. Then in 2008, 2009, we had this great recession, like the biggest economic crisis uh, in America since the early 1930s. So there was that. Now, I don't know, maybe, maybe the last two years have been dreamy for you in, in American politics, um, but, uh, you know, when I watch the news, it feels like I'm watching a whole year's news cycle every day um, in terms of the kind of roller coaster, you know, ride in the news. Um, it just, I don't remember it being that way, you know, five, five years ago. Um, and so we're in a kind of a, a, a turbulent time, I think. Um, and... Uh, uh, you know, people are, are wanting jobs. I mean, you might be a little nervous. What am I going to do, you know, when I get out of, out of college? Where am I going to go? What's, what's my calling in life? There are plenty of reasons why a person might be troubled, uh, depending, no, no matter what generation uh, you're a part of. So let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. That's what Jesus says. Now, why would John 14 tell the disciples not to be troubled. Well, we know the rest of the story, right? What's going to happen in the rest of the Gospel of John? It's what happens at the end of every Gospel. Jesus is arrested. He's tortured. He's crucified. He dies. Now, that's something to be troubled about, right? And I think, I think the disciples were hearing the Jaws music. Dun, 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 dun. You know, maybe they didn't have it all figured out in their head, but they could sense, they could sense that, that, that things were getting a little bit more tense, that these next, these next few days probably weren't going to be just dreamy, you know, diary, you know, what a wonderful week I've had, you know. Um, it's, they, they can feel that that's not where it's headed. And so they're nervous and they're troubled. And Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Now Jesus gives them in this chapter, in John 14, two reasons why their heart should not be troubled. The first reason is, he says, I'm going to set up the safe house for you. I'm going, I'm making a path. I'm going to find a way. I'm going to get you there. I'm going to get you to a safe place. And that sounds good, right? And I, I, I watch a lot of movies. Um, I don't know, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a, 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 te- a weakness of mine. Maybe I need to seek counsel. Um, a, a student asked me a couple weeks ago when I had all the time to watch these movies. And I said, well, I basically have no life. Uh, but it's, but it's, it's not just that. Um, I, I have no life, but in addition to not having a life, um, movies just stick with me. I don't know if you're like this. When I'm watching a movie, I'm in the movie. Um, I, 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 t- I mentioned this last time I preached, and so movies just kind of stick with me. Um, Netflix is a curse. Um, uh, every once in a while, my wife or, or my, one of my family members will find something on Netflix, and then we will binge watch the entire series. And so for some reason this past weekend uh, my wife found a new a new series and we binged walk, watched a whole season of something. And you know my room is the warmest uh, my bedroom is the warmest room in the house. This is where I want to be. 
You know, I always have my laptop op open. I'm always trying to write something. You know, but I was in my bedroom, and she was binge-watching this thing. And when we got, we got near the end, it, it was like, uh, I, I really don't want to see this anymore. You know, this is getting in my head. I had dreams about it. I felt like the world was ending. You know, it was really bad. But, but um, you, know, you know we have these things called mirror cells in our, in our brains? I don't, I don't necessarily understand them, but we actually live out the things we see. You know, if you watch a murder, you're kind of participating in a murder. And I think my mirrors, there must be something really bad about my mirror cells. But, okay, none of that has anything to do with this sermon. But um, the, um, the thing about safe house, I thought of safe house. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Jesus says. I'm going to get the safe house ready. And so I began to go through all the movies with safe houses and all the, you know, all the, all the, you know, thought Spider-Man. I went through a lot of different uh, kind of movies, uh, but you know, you know the scenario, right? You've got hero, you know, the hero, and you've got bad circumstances. Maybe the house is on fire. Maybe, maybe you're underwater and the water is getting higher and higher, or maybe there's a bunch of people shooting at you, or there's bad situation. And you have this, the people who are up for the supporting actor, you know, awards. And then you've got the person up for the lead actor award. And the, the, the hero says, wait here, you know, I'll go find a way through fire, water, you know, gunfire, whatever, you know. And the hero goes and they wait, you know, and the hero finds the path, comes back for them. You know, this is what I thought of because I'm me. Um, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a safe house for you. I'm, I'm going, don't be troubled, I'm going to find a way through this mess that we're in so that you can go with me. I finally landed on Indiana Jones, by the way, uh, which was on a couple weeks, week, weekends ago, um, the first one, you know, where he's going, it's at the very beginning of the movie, uh, he's going to try to get this little figurine, um, and, he, and there's a fellow with him, the, the, the supporting actor, you know, and he comes up and he says, wait here, and the guy says, absolutely, I'm going to wait here, or something, something like that. Well, Jesus says, don't be troubled. I'm going to go find a place for you. In my father's house are many rooms, or I don't know if you were raised, I was raised in the King James, it says many mansions, that it was always dreamy. You know, they wrote songs about it. I've got a mansion. You know, they have all kinds of things. But it's, prob it's probably not mansion. It's probably, it's probably rooms. I mean, I don't know many houses that have mansions in them. Uh, and so it's probably... You know, in my father's house are many, many rooms, and I'm going to go find a place for you. He, he's going to get us uh, to the safe house. And so my next thought is, well, well, why can't they go with him? Because it's not like Jesus is going to get hit by a stray bullet, right? If you're going with Jesus through the line of fire, you're going to be okay, right? So why doesn't he just take them through, you know, all the way to the safe house right now. Why does he have to go and come back? And then, then I thought, okay, now where, what exactly is this path that Jesus is finding to the safe house? It's death. Jesus, Jesus going to the Father, Jesus making a way to the Father is him going to the cross. And then I'm like, okay, Jesus, you go ahead. Come back for me. Come back for me when you get this way sorted out uh, to the Father. You go ahead and die. I'll wait here and you come back and you can take me, you know, in a rapture or something like that. Um, and so um, this, is, this is Jesus' first answer. Don't be troubled because I'm going to find a way for you to get to the safe place in my Father's house. Now, John 14, we shift to what I call silly songs with the disciples. 
Um, you may remember last week, Dr. Bernius talked about how he just doesn't get Peter, how Peter doesn't seem to think before he talks. Well, this is not just Peter. This seems to be, there's something going on around in the water they're drinking. All the disciples have this kind of say stupid thing, uh, uh, disease. And so we have, we, we have three contestants in John 14, three disciples up to bat. Um, our first batter is Thomas. Uh, I, I love, I love uh, one thing I love about the Gospel of John is we, we hear about the disciples we don't hear much about um, in the other, the other Gospels. And so the first person up to bat is Thomas. So Jesus, what has Jesus just said? Jesus is saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come back and take you to where I'm going. And so what does Thomas say? He says, how are we going to know how to get there? He just told you he's coming back for you. You know, this is, this is not a smart question. Uh, but I'm glad that Thomas asked it because we get, I think, the second and the number, you know, the number two memory verse in the Gospel of John. Um, I'm lucky. I've gotten the top two uh, memory verses in John. I preached on John 3 back in October. And I got John 3.16. So now here, the second verse I suggest that you memorize uh, from the Gospel of John is John 14.6. Anybody know it? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, say that real quick to somebody next to you. Exactly. Okay, good. Um, so, this verse, this verse tells us a lot. First of all, the verse tells us where the safe house is. No one comes to the Father except through me. So it tells us that God is where we want to be. God is the destination. God is the goal. God is where we want to get to, where we want, we want to be. And Jesus says that he is the way to the Father. He is the path. Now, we can ask all kinds of interesting theological you know, questions. Uh, if God is in control of everything, couldn't he just have forgotten us? Uh, I mean, not forgotten us. Couldn't he just have forgiven us? Uh, little, little difference. Couldn't God just have forgiven us without that whole cross thing? I mean, it's an interesting question. It's, it's kind of an irrelevant question because that's just not what he decided to do, right? God has chosen in his great wisdom to make us right with him through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And basically this verse tells us that's the only way. There's only one way to get to God and that's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Now we can ask other interesting questions like, um, well, what about somebody who's never heard of Jesus? You know, um, what if their heart is right, but their head doesn't know about Jesus? Well, I'm sure that God will do the right thing. This is one thing we can, we can be sure of, that, that uh, no matter what question we have, the answer that God gives is the right answer. So I'm not, I'm not worried about that. But I will say this, that if there is a way, a heart way, it's still through Jesus Christ. There is no way to the Father except through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the only way. The only way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so I'm glad that Thomas asked his silly question, you know, so that we could get that on the record, that there's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus is also the truth. 
Now, if you have a test today, I don't suggest you put Jesus for every question. You know, one plus one, Jesus. You know, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think that's what he's saying here. I think what he's saying is, is that if you want to know what the big deal is of the universe, what is the secret to the universe, what is the truth, the truth is a person, and it's Jesus Christ. If you remember way back at the beginning of last uh, semester when we first did John 1, uh, John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The word for word here, uh, logos, is a very interesting word. It has a long, kind of a long, very deep history within Judaism. And if you ever take philosophy, the Stoics, they believed in a logos, uh, in in a word as well. The basic concept here is, is that... Everything that happened in the world, they believed, happened according to the word of God. And so you could almost substitute the will of God, you know, for for the logos. And so in Jesus, the truth, we have the very cornerstone, the very essence, the very center of what all of this is about. You know, what is all this about? Jesus is the key. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the essence of what is important and meaningful in life. And of course, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way to eternal life. Whoever believes in me shall not perish but have eternal life. And so, uh, I'm sorry for Thomas's, you know, little mental flub there, but I'm very happy for us because we get John 14:6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, so, uh, we have a little, uh, Thomas, Thomas is up, a swing and a miss. You know, okay, next batter. Our next batter is Philip. Okay, we've got Philip up to bat here. And Philip's answer is, well, just show us the Father and it's okay. What? I don't even know, what, what, where did you even get that question? Um, and, and immediately I went to Monty Python. I don't know if you've ever seen the Holy Grail. I'm not sure if it's, it's not maybe some parts of the movie that aren't great. But anyway, um, there's this one scene in Monty Python where uh, a father is trying to keep his son in a room. And he says to the two guards, I don't know if you know this scene, tells the two guards at the door of the room, okay, stay here and make sure he doesn't leave the room. And they said, okay, he leaves the room, but we stay here. No, 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 no. Make sure, you stay here and make sure he doesn't leave the room. And then he starts to leave and they say, they start following him. And he says, where are you going? Well, we're going with you. Okay, they just don't, whoop, 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 you know, they don't get any of it. And this is, this is kind of like Philip's question. Well, if you just show us the Father, it's, it's, I feel like what he's saying is, if you'll just show us the Father, we won't need you to come back for us. If you just show us the Father, we'll be able to find the way, you know, on our own through the minefield of life, you know. Just show us what the, give us the decoder ring, give us the map, you know, and we'll be able to find our way um, uh, through the minefield. Uh, and I was, again, I was trying to think of an illustration of this. And I thought of, um, I have way too many dogs, it's not my fault. Um, but um, uh, I've noticed that uh, some of them uh, seem to have a peculiar relationship to their food bowl. I can tell when they're hungry because they begin to kind of mess with the food bowl. It's kind of like it's a magic bowl. Food just magically appears in this bowl. You know, and, and it's like they're trying to invoke, oh, magic food bowl. You know, please make food appear, you know. Um, We had to actually move to a metal food bowl for one of them because he would actually eat the food bowl. Um, But what what the dog doesn't seem to get is is that unless I put food in the bowl, there's not going to be any food to eat. 
And, and, and to me, that's a little bit like the way Jesus responds uh, to Philip here. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you know me, you know the way to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to get to the Father, you're going to have to go through me. And this is, I, I don't know whether you're this way, maybe you're not this way, but I think there's a tendency for us to try to do this on our own. There's a tendency for us to try to, to work our way uh, to the safe room. I can do it. I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid. You know, I can, I can make my way uh, to the safe room on my own. Just tell me where the safe room is, Jesus, and I can get there. So it, it can be true with like temptation. I can, I can, I know I, I think I can, I think I can. I can, I can outdo this temptation. I can resist it. I can, I, I, I can do it. I'm going to do better next. Oh, I failed again. I'm going to, I guess I can do better next. And Jesus basically says, you don't have the power to get to the safe room on your own. If you're going to get to the safe room, you're going to have to have my help. It reminds me of another story in the book of Acts where these uh, seven individuals who aren't believers, they don't believe in Jesus. They just have noticed that these, these believers in Jesus seem to be able to cast demons out. And they think, well, let's, let me try that. I'm going to use Jesus' name, you know, to try to cast out demons. And they end up running naked from the house with the demons chasing after them. I mean, you, you know, this, ah, you know it's a, this, this situation where they tried to cast out demons in their own power. And they learned the lesson that you can't cast out demons in your own power. And I feel like this is a little bit like the lesson we get from Philip. Just show us the Father. Just show me, the, show me where it is on the map, and I can get to my father's house. And Jesus' answer is basically, you're not listening to me, Philip. You can't get to the father's house without me. I am the only way uh, to the father's house. Okay, so don't let your heart be troubled. What's Jesus' first answer? Jesus' first answer is, I'm going to make a way for you. I'm going I'm to blaze the trail I'm going, to get you, I'm going to go to the safe house, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to get you, and I'm going to take you to the safe house with me. And then the second thing that Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled, is he says, I'm going to send you a guide. I'm going to send you someone to help you in the meantime. So I may not be back for a little while, but in the meantime, until I come back, I'm going to send someone to help you find the way through the minefield. And that someone is the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to be your advocate. He's going to be your lawyer. He's going to be your comforter. Different trans translations use different things here. Uh, sometimes people talk about somebody who comes alongside you uh, to help you. But the Holy Spirit is here to help us. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, which means he's the spirit of Jesus, which means he's the spirit of Christ. And the spirit is here with us to help us know the way through the minefield of life. He's our guide to help us as we go through this time in which we would otherwise be troubled. Now, our third contestant, uh, our third disciple, so we had, we had Thomas swinging a miss, we had Philip swinging a miss, but now we have a guy named Judas, not Iscariot. Did you know there was a disciple named Judas who wasn't Judas Iscariot? This is, this is the good Judas. Um, so now, he actually asks a good question. So I'm going to give him a bunt on this one. He, he, he at least hits the ball onto the field and probably makes it to first base. So what does Judas, not Iscariot, ask? Judas, not Iscariot, asks, um, why is it, because Je here's what Jesus says, Jesus says the Spirit will tell those of you who are believers, 
he will show you the way. Now, he's not going to show non-believers the way because they don't believe. But he's, the Spirit is going to show believers the way. The Spirit is going to show those who keep my commandments the way. And Judas asks, well, why aren't you showing everybody? Why are you just showing those who, who follow your commandments? Why is the Spirit just showing those who believe in you? And Jesus' answer reminds me a little bit of 1 Corinthians 1. I don't know if you've read 1 Corinthians lately, but basically people are criticizing Paul. They're saying, Paul, you're so stupid. We know so much more about God and everything than you do, Paul. Um, and Paul says that the way of Jesus is not a worldly way of wisdom. There is a wisdom. There is a wisdom that we teach in the church, but it's not a worldly wisdom. In fact, the way that Christians think sounds stupid to people who are in the world. There is a spiritual wisdom, Paul says, that we teach to the mature. But if you're thinking like the world, then you're not, you're not thinking right. The Spirit has a special way of leading you, and you're not going to get it if you don't believe in Jesus Christ. It reminds me of a philosopher named Pascal. Pascal suggested that if God made the truth entirely clear to everybody, he wouldn't know as well what our hearts were. And so God has made things susceptible to multiple interpretations. That if you want to believe in Christ, you can see it if you want to. But if you aren't inclined to believe in Christ, you're not going to see it. It's going to look foolish. So what this does is it sets up a worldly wisdom and a spiritual wisdom. And if you're thinking like the world, you're not going to see it. But if you're thinking like Christ, you're going to see it. And again, a movie comes to mind. Um, this is the old version. There, there was a Poseidon Adventure movie that came out recently. I haven't really seen it. But there was a, uh, um, a Poseidon Adventure movie back in the 80s, I think it was, that, that really scared me. But anyway, um, the, you know, the boat gets turned upside down and the water's filling up and everybody's trying to escape this cruise ship. And there's, the, there's this scene in the movie where there are two groups. One of the groups is going toward, uh, going up. Um, I, no, no, they're going down, but they're, they're going the way that logically, logic would tell you this is the way to get out of the ship. The other group is saying, no, 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 the, the part of the ship that doesn't have an exit, that's the best way to go because that's the part that's sticking out of the water. And so you have two groups. One of them is saying, well, it makes sense for us to go to where you can actually get out. And the other group saying, no, 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 we need to go to where there's air, even though there's not a way to get out. Now, as it turns out in the movie, the group going the strange way is the group that's right. And the group that's following the logical way, they all die. But anyway, so what we get here is a picture of worldly wisdom and spiritual wisdom. Worldly wisdom says, um, follow, you know, follow the rules of the world. Spiritual wisdom says, follow the, word, will, uh, the, the way of Christ. Now, I'm running out of time, so let me just tell you four, four ways that spiritual wisdom is different from worldly wisdom. First of all, spiritual wisdom leads away from yourself and toward others. So logically you'd think, I need to protect myself. I need to get my stuff. I need to keep things for me. I need to look out for number one. That's the worldly way of thinking. Spiritual wisdom says, I need to put others above myself. I need to love my neighbor as myself. I, not, I should not hoard my stuff, but I should give my abundance to others. So it leads away from yourself. It also leads away from idols. Um, the first John ends, little children, uh, stay away from idols. 
What are idols? Idols are anything in our life that we substitute for God. And it's so easy for us to do it because I can see things here. I can't see God. And so it's easy for me to substitute things down here for the things of God. So spiritual wisdom leads away from yourself. It leads away from idols. It leads away from safety. This is one of the great paradoxes of this. Don't be troubled. You may have to die for me. What? Jesus takes us away from safety, which isn't, I mean, wait a minute. The reason I wanted this hero is so that you would lead me to the safe room. And you're telling me that I shouldn't be troubled because I may have to die for my faith? So it leads us away from ourself. It leads us away uh, from idols. It leads us away from safety. And it leads us sometimes away from victory. And I wanted to work the Super Bowl in here somehow, but I couldn't quite do it. But, but following spiritual wisdom sometimes leads us away from victory. Sometimes Christ asks us to lose for his sake. I mean, God wins in the end. There's no question. So spiritual wisdom leads us away from ourself, which doesn't make any sense. It leads us away from idols, which are things I can see. It leads us away from safety, which that's what I wanted in the first place. And it leads us away sometimes from worldly victory. Well, Jesus ends up by saying, peace I give to you. Peace I leave with you. It's not a peace that the world knows. It's a spiritual peace. It's a peace that can live in the midst of a minefield and still make it because the Lord and his spirit is with us. Well, let's close in prayer. Father, I ask that you would give us all, give everyone here this morning, that peace that passes understanding, that strange peace that when everything is is going wrong around us, when everything is crazy around us, when there's potential danger and harm and everything around us looks wrong, that we can have this strange peace about us, a miraculous peace, a peace that we can't psychologize, a peace that we can't, we can't ritualize. It's a miracle. It's something you give us through your Holy Spirit. Help us all to leave today in peace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.